Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. I want to just read some scripture, just in honor of God's word. I love to stand as we read that. And so you're already standing. So I would love to just read this passage of scripture. We're in a series called Eyes on Eternity. And uh, this scripture right here came to my mind even as we're talking through this entire series of, of things that we're going through. The eyes on eternity. And this 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 came to my mind as I was thinking about it and thinking about you and thinking about our church. And this is what the Bible says. If you're ready for God's word, say, I'm ready. I love it. Here's what it says. This is why we never give up. And I don't know what you walked in here with. Maybe you're ready to give up. Maybe you're ready to throw in the towel. Maybe you're ready to give up on that family or that dream or that business or that whatever it might be that God has put on the inside of you. Listen to me. This is why we never give up. Watch this. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Somebody say every day. Not just on Sunday, every day. That we're, we're diving in every day. That we're willing to, to, hey, Lord, you can renew me. You can speak to me. You can talk to me every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for, a glory that, they, uh, for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So again, eyes on eternity. Watch this. Says, Don't look at the trouble that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze. Somebody say, fix our gaze. Yeah, you got to fix your gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we can see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. And I just believe today as we're getting our eyes on eternity, as we're getting set on that, as we're getting focused on that, as we're refocusing some of our life, like today, I think if you and I will begin, like we'll start with the end in mind, I think we're going to be ready to go. I think we're going to have a little bit of, a little bit of something on the inside of us that's going to keep pushing us through. This is why we never give up. It's not because we're looking at the things around us is because our eyes are fixed on Jesus. We've got to start with the end. That's what I'm going to title today's message. I want you to write that down in just a second. One more time, let's just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Only He can. Lord, we come to you today and we honor you, Jesus. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what that means, that we can uh, all the things that are going on around us may be crazy and crumbling, but we can fix our gaze on you. And God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us today. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Come on, one more time. Can we give Jesus a big ovation of worship all over this place? You guys can go ahead and have a seat. And on your way to your seat, why don't you high-five your neighbor and say, I love you. I'm glad you're sitting next to me. I love you. Why don't you pick your neighbor of, of second choice that you pick second and say, I love you. I'm glad you're sitting next to me. Love it, love it. Well, I'm going to welcome everybody in online that's watching uh, today as well. And, man, listen, I'm so glad you're here. You could be anywhere else. Thank you, team, for leading us and just so thankful for you. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but this, this series we kicked off last week called Eyes on Eternity. It's been, a, it's been just kind of on my heart that we would just get focused on not what we can see, but the things that we cannot see and the things that are going to long outlive us once we're no longer here. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. I want everybody, if you can, can you buckle up? Come on, just let me hear a little click noise. Just say, 
All right, because today I'm just going to tell you it's going to be one of those days that, that we're just going to go after it together, all right? It's going to be one of those deeper days. going to be a day that's going to be a little challenging, uh, but I want you to take some notes. I encourage you to do that. Take some notes today, and uh, I cannot wait for this uh, as we talk through this. And again, today, as we're studying it, how many of you know that as we're talking about eternity and eyes on eternity, how much of us do you know, like, like if you don't believe in eternity or you don't, want, you don't know what's coming after or in eternity, well, how many you know it's hard to get your eyes on something you don't know what you're getting your eyes on, right? So today we're going to spend some time talking through that. And I'll just tell you some of the ideas that we're talking through today, I've, I've studied on myself and I've, I've gathered from other incredible pastors like Pastor Chris Hodges and Pastor Rich Wilkerson and Pastor Craig Rochelle and myself. And I've just kind of made this big old pot of chili and I'm going to serve it to us today. Everybody okay with that? No noodles. Come on, somebody, right? No noodles, all right? Now I'm going to serve that for us today. Just this idea, because I'm trying to learn with you this idea of what he Eternity might look like, that we can get our eyes on eternity. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this together, and it's going to be a good time today. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. All right, so again, eyes on eternity. Again, what this whole series is, is marching us up to, I believe, what is like a faith step, a faith action. We're on November 20th. We are giving, a, we do one offering that's above and beyond our tithes every week. We don't, like, we don't, uh, like, do offerings every single week, every single month. Like, we, we have one special offering a year called the Legacy Offering, and if you missed last Sunday, I encourage you to go back and check it out, because we want to be very specific about what we're going to be a part of changing and giving and being generous towards these lanes of legacy that we talk about that we're going to be doing uh, with that generosity and with your generosity, and so I'm just so thankful uh, for you, and so if you missed last week, go back and check that out, but I, I, again, coming up on November 20th is that date that we're going to be doing that, but as we get there, I want us to understand, and I want us to know that all of the things that we do here on earth actually do have an eternal and a spiritual ramification, right? I want us to understand that. I want us to know that, and uh, I think as God's people, you as a follower of God, us as a church, we got to start with the end in mind. We got to begin there and have our eyes on eternity. I remember uh, just about a little over a year ago that we had uh, gotten the keys to this facility. Come on, somebody, right? Whoa, whoa. Okay. Just so you know, we've been in this place since January of this year. We're a church of about three and a half years, coming up on four years uh, at the end of January, years old. And uh, we met for the first like two and a half years, um, uh, uh, first three years inside Callaway County Middle School. And praise God, we ain't got to take our chairs and put them inside of a trailer this afternoon. They could just stay up in the room. All the load in, load out people know what I'm talking about up in the room right now, right? Like, man, that was awesome. We loved that time, but man, thank God for this place. But I remember, like, showing up to this place for the very first time. Y'all, it was pretty tough, all right? And they're going to throw up some pictures here behind us of some things, like where your setting of what it looked at, like, before we got a chance to come in, just say, hey, we're going to give this place some love. We see a vision of what God is going to reach here. And it was an old Save-A-Lot building, and you know a preacher is going to use that all the time. You know why? Because Jesus is going to save a lot of people. Come on, somebody, right? You know I'm going to use that, but I, I remember as we looked at this facility and we thought, you know what, we don't, there's no way God could use that. It's too small. There's not enough parking. We got some incredible neighbors over here that were able to park in their parking lot. Like, look at, look at it. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at the inside. Like, there's no way this can end up being a church. And, but we just saw a vision of what God was going to do and how he was going to use it and literally how you are going to be sitting in the seats in the auditorium. Uh, and this happened, like, again, uh, last summer. And what we began to do is we began to get some dry 
drawings, some blueprints uh, drawn up of what this place could be like, what this facility could look like. And, and again, we, y'all, it was, it, was, it was tough, all right? It was tough. But, man, I'm telling you, I got actually the blueprints in my hand right here, and I, I had to dig these out the other day. Shout out to AB. Uh, she dug them out for us. And, and, and I think about these blueprints. How many of y'all know when you're looking at that and you don't have a plan, how many of you know that's overwhelming? Come on, somebody, right? This is where your kids are right now. Come on, welcome to Purpose Kids. That would be bad, wouldn't it, okay? It would be really bad. But, but what we began to do is as a team, we began to dream. We began to get this vision of, okay, this place can become something where we know that the presence of God and the people of God can meet. And so what we began to do is we began to come up with some blueprints. How many of you know that when you have the prints, when you have what's coming up at the end, it changes your mind when you're in the middle of it? Come on, somebody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like you have a little bit of thing that's coming in mind of what is to come, right? This idea that we had to say, okay, okay, we know exactly where the auditorium is going to be. We know where this wall is going to be. We know we're going to have to add this bathroom. We know back in the kids' area we wanted to do this and make sure that they had bathrooms back there where it's clean, safe, and fun and all of these things together. And I don't know about you, but as we're starting to do that, it made going through what we were going through a little bit easier because we had their eyes on the end prize, right? Does that make sense? This means yes in Kentucky. Come on, everybody. You ain't got to say nothing. I want you to say something if you want, but like if you don't, just shake your head yes. Okay, everybody get that? Understand that? It helps you when you have a vision of where you're going. It helps you in the middle of what you're going through. And I just want to challenge some of us today. That's what we're going to talk about. This is not just something for our church. I think actually this is a good picture of how you and I can actually live our lives. A great picture for us that God is the master builder of our life. And though your life may look like a mess right now, anybody's life ever look like a mess come on wave at me if that's you if your life ain't a mess you're gonna be there eventually all right so just go ahead raise your hand with us because we've all had it where it seems like what God are you doing this is a mess there's no way you can turn anything from this but I just believe in my spirit that God has the ability to take you and I and turn our mess into a masterpiece if we just keep doing it his way if we keep following after him and I just believe it's so important for our faith that you and I know how the story ends and so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about eternity together today. Everybody good? Everybody ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. All right, so we're going to talk about that today. Get your notes ready. I want to just share this, this thought, this idea. It's actually a theological thought, and it's, it's this idea of a word called eschatology, which is what we're going to try and do today. Eschatology is the study of last things or future events. See, it's actually the Greek word eschatos is the name of it, and it actually literally means the last things. And so there's four areas in the Bible, uh, or four areas in theology that people study when they go to studying eternity, when they go to studying the last things. You got death, you got judgment, you got heaven and hell. Welcome to Purpose Church, everybody, today, all right? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is going to be fun to talk about. I promise we're going to get somewhere. I just need you to just lean in, and it's going to be, we're going to go in together. Everybody good with that? All right, here we go. So here's what I want us to understand. I just believe it's important that we know what the end looks like, what the last things look like, because if we will keep our eyes on eternity in the end, it'll start affecting our everyday right now. And so I would say it like this. Eschatology affects your missiology which missiology is the study of how the church and why the church exists and why we as the body of Christ are doing things and why, why would be, we be on mission. And so your eschatology, what you believe about the end, ultimately affects your missiology, which is why you and I exist right now. So I want you to write this down. I want, it to, I want you to take it with you because this is really, the whole encapsulates this entire sermon series, this idea that we're talking about. It's what I believe about eternity will affect what I do today. 
what I believe about eternity will affect what I do today. Now, I don't know where you come from or what your background may look like, but I just believe that God has put eternity inside of all of us. It's what Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says, right? Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time, and he has planted eternity in the human heart. Listen, I'm all about facts here at Purpose Church, and here's a fact. Every one out of one person is going to die. Welcome to Purpose Church, right? This is a good day. Tap your neighbor and say, you're going to die one day. Just go ahead, go ahead. Let them know. Just let them know. About the facts. About the facts, right? It's 100% certain that you and I are going to die one day, right? And here's what I want to challenge us, though. I want to encourage us with this idea that you don't really die, but that your body, your physical body does die. Because I believe that you are a spirit, soul, and body, right? And so I believe all, uh, all of us have a body, this earth tent that we wear right now for 72 years on this earth. Once it stops working, though you don't necessarily die because the real you, your soul never dies. And I want to just kind of just get us thinking, again, why in the world are we asking our church to give above and beyond, like with, a, with offering, and what does that have to, listen, it's not just so that we can have projects or fun things, but that you and I would understand that everything that we have is temporary, but when we put it into the hands of God, it's leaving a legacy for eternity, that that's the kind of opportunity that you and I actually have. I got to get my eyes on eternity, right? So I'm going to ask this question, this is all skate, I want everybody to participate, how many of y'all in a room grew up in church? Any church people in a, in a room? A lot of church people. Let's go after the unchurched people together, okay? But like I, we all, we all um, uh, some of us grew up in different backgrounds, different denominations. I don't know about y'all. I grew up in scary church. Come on, somebody, right? Anybody ever grow up in scary church? All right, like scary church was, I did interpretive movements as a, uh, as a youth in, in, in church. That's scary, all right? I'm talking about arise, my love. I mean, I'm talking about like all kinds of stuff. Like, I don't even talk about it. I won't forget those times of my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I grew up in scary church. I, I, I remember as a kid, and, and, and we'll see who ever has gone to this. I used to go to this thing called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever been there? It's, it's kind of like a judgment house type thing, right? And when they bring the devil in, like, through the door, he start coming down the aisle, but you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to literally scare the hell out of you. Come on, somebody, right? That's literally what was happening. I grew up, I grew up in that. That's what I grew up in church, right? Uh, anybody ever been there? Come on, come on. Oh, we need counseling, Lord Jesus, right, right now. Like, like there's just, man, there's some stuff out there. And I, I mean, I remember it as a kid, and I remember just growing up, kind of uh, not, not really wanting to talk about eternity. Not wanting to even talk about it with my family because I was so nervous about it. I was so scared about it. And I even sometimes now, uh, I, as a joke, kind of a little bit, but like, I'll come home from the house, and I can't find nobody. Anybody ever been there? You can't find nobody, and you're thinking, oh, Lord, everybody else got rapture, but I'm here. Anybody ever been there? Like, I'm left. This is, all, this is just me. Like, what am I supposed to do now, right? I think, I think all of us have, have maybe have been there, and I don't know about you guys. I don't know where you grew up. I don't know how you grew up, but all of us have our ideas of eternity, and I kind of want to just help us with that today. I want to help us kind of get on the same page, the same track together, that there are some things out there that, again, I want us to know about eternity that are important for how we live today. Right? And so here's the thing I want us to know. The very first thing I want us to show uh, and talk about with each other today is this first point is heaven and hell are real places. Like you've got to understand that. That heaven and hell are real places. That these aren't just things that we just make up and just make believe, but we believe that there are a literal place called heaven 
in hell. There's this guy by the name of uh, Erwin Lutzer who said this, one minute after you slip behind the parted curtain, you will either be enjoying a personal welcome from Christ or be catching your first glimpse of gloom as you have never known it before. Watch this. says, either way, your future is irrevocably fixed and eternally unchangeable. See, what I want us to get is that the reality of eternity is a real thing. That there is this real thing called eternity. That your body may pass away, but you and I will live forever in one of two places. In these places, either called heaven, where I would like to just define it as God's presence. Where it most, just most gloriously dwells, right? Where God himself and his presence, in the fullness of his presence, most clearly is shown and most clearly where he dwells, right? That's what heaven is. It's in the presence of the fullness of God, right? And then hell is obviously apart from that, which is bad, bad, bad. Like not good, like not, not just, okay, you want to you party in hell for a little bit? No, no, no. I'm talking about where there's weeping and gnashing of tears where there's like, man, it's bad. Like, like you can remember, you can start to recollect, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't have this opportunity. You can feel, you can hear, you can see, you can taste. Like there's lots of things that that person is going to experience when they experience being separated from God for eternity. And we see that happen actually in, Matthew, or in Luke chapter 16. You've got the rich man and you've got Lazarus. I encourage you to go home this week and read it and you'll see all of the senses that you have are going to be there in eternity. You're going to have those. They're going to look different different than our natural bodies now, but there's going to be things that happen. I want us to see. Look at it this week, Luke chapter 16. So what I want us to know, though, is that when we take our last breath here, that there is a separation of believers and unbelievers. I want us to get that, that when loved one, if you know Jesus, right, here's the thing, you are going to be enjoying the presence of God in heaven. Come on, somebody, that's going to be a good day, right? That's going to be a good day for a lot of us, no doubt. That heaven is a place we see it all throughout Scripture. You see it over and over and over again. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1. This is what the Old Testament prophet had to say. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Right? So, so, so a, a Old Testament prophet talking about it. You fast forward to the Newer Testament and you hear Jesus He's talking about this place called heaven. He, and when he's telling us how to pray, what's he say? Our Father who art in all right, right? He's saying, hey, my, my, my father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, worthy is your name, okay? So, so 19 times in Scripture do we see Jesus reveals that heaven is a real place and that God the Father dwells there, okay? You jump over a few more uh, chapters in the Bible. First Peter chapter 3, after Jesus is buried and gets out of the grave and ascends to heaven, the Bible tells us in First Peter chapter 3, verse 22, now, somebody say now, Christ has gone to... Okay, Christ is going to heaven. He's seated in the place of honor next to God and all of the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. But this is where I want to take you for a little bit of a turn really quick. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Because this may rock some of your faces in just a second. Because I want you to see it. I want you to understand it. I want you to know that do you know, and not many people realize, that the Bible actually describes that the heaven that you and I go to after we die, if you know Jesus, will not always be the place that you reside for eternity. Did you know that? That's not going to be the place that you spend all of your eternity. 
I know some of y'all are like, what? Let's talk about it together, okay? Let's walk through this. See, the Bible teaches us that there is this intermediate type of heaven that exists right now where God is, where he dwells, and it's perfect. But listen to me, it's not the same heaven that we're going to spend eternity in forever. You know why? Because I want us to see that from the very beginning of the Bible that God has had a plan, that God has had a mission to one day create a new heaven and a new earth. So I want you to know how the story ends because if you do, I believe it'll affect how you live now. It'll affect what you do every day. And so again, this may be challenging to some of us. We're going to look at some scripture today. Maybe you know this. Maybe this is new. Maybe it's a little challenging. But I believe it's important as we kind of go on and journey onto this, this thing called this offering that's coming up, which is really practical, that we would understand there's spiritual and eternal ramifications to it. That there is something there all throughout scripture. There is not just this teaching that you and I will be taken up to the cloud somewhere and we'll be fat, chubby babies sitting on a cloud, right? That's what a lot of people think about when they think about heaven. I want you to know that I want us to get that you see that God from the very beginning of time has had a people and he's had a plan that he is building towards something. Look at the Bible, Isaiah 65 verse 17. Look, Old Testament prophet telling this, I am creating a new heavens and a new earth and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Right? Isaiah 66, just a chapter over, says it like this. As surely as my new heavens and earth will remain, so will you always be my people with a name that will never disappear. Jump over to the Newer Testament, 2 Peter chapter 3. Watch what he says. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth that he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. See, what I want us to know, what I want us to get is that there's this guy also that we're going to look at in a second. His name is John. Somebody say John. John was a follower of Jesus, was a disciple of Jesus. He was so incredibly like in love with Jesus and following him and telling everybody about him that they had to take John and they put him on this random island by himself. Right? They said, hey, we're going to exile you to the isle. It's called Patmos, right? They take him, they put him on this island, and guess what happens? In, that, in the middle of all of that, he receives a vision from God of what is to come. The end of what it's going to look like. And so again, as a church, I think it's important we start with the end in mind, right? That we think, okay, let's start with the end. What what does it look like in Revelation chapter 21 and 22? He describes it as this. This is what he says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. Watch what he's doing. Watch what he's saying right here. That there is this redemption of something new that's taking place. That the old things are going to pass away but that the new thing is coming and he starts talking about this new Jerusalem which is not on the same earth but on new earth watch what he says verse 2 and I saw the holy city new Jerusalem coming down from heaven out of heaven uh, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband I heard a loud shout from the throne saying look somebody say look Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All these things are gone forever. And what I believe that we're reading right here is to understand this biblical narrative of what is actually going to happen in the end. That God is not simply taking us out of this place, but what he has ended up doing is he's coming 
coming, actually bringing heaven down to earth, that he's coming to restore and redeem. And what that does for you and I is that changes the way that we live right now. And so this big, deeper, I think the deeper teaching behind this that I want us to get, and again, I'm probably doing a terrible job of explaining it to us, but I'm trying the best I can to get us all to understand this idea right here, is that God is renewing all things. That God is renewing all things. Somebody say all things. God is renewing it all. God is redeeming it all. And to be honest with you, this has always been his plan. This has always been the original plan. This is what he had in the blueprints. Come on, somebody. At the beginning, at the, at the very beginning, that he had the blueprints. How do we know? We know by going back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. All right, everybody good? We're going to go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. You're just getting all over the place today. Everybody okay? Everybody good? Some of y'all are like, I know, like this is not usually how, where we go and what we do on a Sunday morning, but I'm trying to take you there because I think it will change your life if you will get this. I really do think it'll help you. So I want to take you all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, right? So in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And what he did was he created this earth and he creates this garden of Eden, which is what? It's a picture of paradise, It's a picture of what heaven looks like on earth. That's what it is. That's what he creates. It's beautiful. God is with them every day, and they're naked and feeling no shame, right? Naked and no shame. The original design was naked and no shame, and that right there is a picture of total freedom. That ultimately is what you and I experience through grace is that we don't have to have shame anymore, and we don't have to have any regret anymore, but that we have total freedom because of what Jesus has done. That was the original plan was that's what it was created for, and I want us to see how quickly we screwed up. Come on, somebody, right? How quickly? Two chapters in the Bible, and here we go messing everything up, right? And how many of y'all know that if you got anybody, uh, so I see some of y'all wives elbowing your husbands, because I know if Allie was sitting close to me, she'd be like, yeah, you know, like, you can mess something up real quick. Come on, anybody out there? I can do it really fast. Well, we all did that. In Genesis chapter 3, what we see is that Adam and Eve, they break God's one rule. God said, hey, you can go, you can do, you can be with me. Man, I'm going to be your source. I'm going to be your energy. I'm going to be everything around you. I'm going to be all that you need. There's this one area I'm asking you, do not go. And if you go over there, this is not going to be good. Just don't go over there and do that. Just don't go to that tree, eat of that fruit. You got all this other stuff. Why don't you go do that? And guess what happens? Adam and Eve go to that tree. How many of y'all got kids? When you tell them, don't do it, they do it. Come on, somebody, right? Like, I'm going to tell you, don't go to that door. They're going to touch that door like that. You know what I'm saying? That's what our kids do. That's what all of us do. It's ultimately what Adam and Eve did. And they go, and what happens is they begin to eat this fruit that they thought was going to make them like God. Ultimately opened their eyes because then, after they ate that, they were selecting something that wasn't God. They were choosing that over God. And sin enters the world, and now there are consequences, right? Now there's, there's, there's consequences to our sin. Now they begin to feel shame. And we find in Genesis chapter 3, the craziest game in all of the world is ever played. They start to play hide-and-seek with God, right? How many of you know you're going to lose that one? Come on, somebody, right? Anybody ever play hide-and-seek with somebody, and they are terrible at hiding? All they're doing is talking the whole time. Anybody been there, right? I'm that guy, okay? So don't hide with me and hide-and-seek. Just don't do it, because I'm going to be like, I'm over here, Okay. Like, that's just, just, just bad, okay? So we see in Genesis chapter 3, this hide-and-seek game happens with God. That they feel this shame. They feel this nakedness. They cover themselves with fig leaves, and they go and hide from God. 
Right, they're going, God comes strolling through the garden, just, just walking along, just like what normally would happen, strolls through the garden, and, and what happens is God is asking them, hey, guys, where y'all at? Where y'all at? And Adam speaks up in Genesis chapter 3, verse 27. He says, hey, we hid ourselves because we were naked. And he says, hey, who told you that? Did you go and eat of the thing that I told you not to do? What I want you to know is from that moment on when sin entered the world, I want you to get, I want you to understand that God was saying, hey, I created this beautiful place for you, but sin has broken the beautiful plan that God had. God was like, yo, I have this beautiful place. I want you to have the fullness of my presence. But there is a standard here to which you have to trust me. You have to obey me. I am your only God. And what happened was sin broke that, and now we have consequences of sin that we are still living in today. Death, pain, insecurity, fear, perversion, and now thousands upon thousands of years later, there is still a humanity that's hiding from God. Right? We still find ourselves hiding from God, but this is what I love about God. Come on, somebody say, listen, I, I just, I love this so much. I love God and his, his nature so much is that even from the very beginning, as we were running and hiding, we see the nature of God and that maybe we couldn't get to God, but God came looking for us. Is there anybody grateful on a Sunday morning right here at the end of October for a God that came looking for you and found you? Come on, I don't think anybody's thankful. Is there anybody thankful for a God that in the middle of your mess, God came after you. I am. I'm so thankful for that. His original plan was heaven on earth. Walk with me. Enjoy my presence. I'm everything that you need. I complete you. But we went after something else other than God. And it always leaves us dissatisfied, hurting, searching, empty, hungry, thirsty, looking for everything else to provide what only God can. But I love that we have a God that says, I am the bread of life. And if you partake of me, you'll have some life. I'm the living water. And if you drink from me, you will never thirst again. I know you tried your own way, but here it is. I am the way. You sought your own truth, but I am the truth. You thought those things were going to give you life, but I am truly your life. And his name is Jesus. Is there anybody thankful for that name? The name that's above every name. Come on. Can we give him five seconds of the loudest praise in this place? So what I want us to understand, Genesis chapter 1 and 2 starts out as a beautiful plan. Genesis chapter 3 happens and we break the plan. We quickly screwed it up. But if you look at Genesis 1 and 2, the first two books of the Bible, and you look at the last two books of the Bible of Revelation chapter 21 and 22 where we get a glimpse of a new Jerusalem, a new heaven, a new earth. Listen, everything in between Genesis 1 and 2 and, and, and Revelation 21 and 22 is God trying to clean up that which we broke. He's trying to redeem and renew a broken humanity. So you know what he did you know what the plan was the blueprint was from the beginning was his son Jesus and he sent Jesus on a rescue mission Jesus came to redeem Jesus came to restore Jesus came to revive Jesus came to renew Jesus came to say hey come out of hiding you don't have to hide anymore I've got grace and I've got forgiveness available for you if you will just come to me that's what Jesus offers. That was the plan from the beginning of time. Genesis 1 and 2 happened in a garden, right? It happened in a garden. Here's what I know, and think about it really quick. Where was Jesus' largest temptation that he ever faced? In a garden called Gethsemane, right? 
So the first Adam, the first man ever created, failed. Jesus, who is known as the last Adam, according to Romans chapter 5, passed. The first Adam in the Garden of Eden failed, sinned, gave into his flesh, went after anything but God. But thank God for the second Adam, for Jesus, who didn't give into his flesh. But he said, you know what? Hey, my flesh may be weak, but my spirit is willing. I will go to the cross. I will endure the pain. I will be the plan that God had set out from the very beginning of time and fulfill what what may felt like it was shut off, I will make sure that that door is wide open if anybody wants to come through me the way, the truth, and the life, right? That's what Jesus was saying. You look even further, John chapter 20 gets even better. Think about it. Jesus is crucified. He's put in a tomb. He gets out of the tomb. He's got a resurrected body. They're going and looking for him. They're trying to figure out, okay, what, what happened to Jesus? What what can we do? Is Jesus is he, uh, is he still there? And Mary shows up to the tomb. And what begins to happen? Mary thinks he's the what? The gardener. Listen, he shows up. She can't even recognize him. She thinks he's the gardener. And you know what I got to thinking, y'all? She was right. He is the gardener. You know why? It's the same gardener from all the way from the beginning in Eden. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to let them know that he had a plan all along. What was broken in Eden was restored in a garden. And he says, I will finish in the end because we serve a God who is renewing and redeeming all things. Come on, if we believe that, come on, give him a shout all over this room. So he sends his son. Watch this. I'm going I'm to challenge you. So Jesus was the plan all along. Right? Jesus was the plan. I want us to get that. Jesus is the plan. Watch this. This is where you and I come into play. Watch what I say now. Listen, his people are the ambassadors. So Jesus is the plan. His people are the ambassadors. So I'm going to send my son Jesus from the very beginning. I'm gonna re- I know what was broken in Eden. Eventually I will restore. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Everything in between, Jesus was the plan. That Jesus was the plan. And, and I just want to challenge some of us in this room that God could have chosen any other way to get his plan out there. But guess what? He chooses to use you and I. He could have used anything else. That's the craziest thing to me. Y'all know how pretty a sunset and sunrise is? Some of y'all ain't seen a sunrise in a long time. You sleep until like 10 a.m. You know what I'm saying? Do you know he could have used that to get his message out? Like he could have used the ocean. You know how vast the ocean is? You know how massive the ocean is? He could have used that to proclaim his glory, to speak on his behalf. But this is the craziest thing to me. Is that from the very beginning, Jesus was the plan. And from then, he is, after he is buried, he's resurrected, he ascends to heaven, what begins to happen? He establishes his what? His church, his people. He says, hey, I'm establishing you. And I'm not just establishing you. I want you to be ambassadors speaking on my behalf. You may not know what an ambassador is. An ambassador is a, this is the definition, an ambassador is a respected official acting as a representative of a nation sent to a foreign land. The ambassador's role is to reflect the official position of the sovereign body that gave him the authority. Think about that for just a second. That you and I are Christ's ambassadors. That's what he says to us in 2 Corinthians 5, 19. For we, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them because of what Jesus had done. And he gave, watch this, gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. 
He gave it to you and I. So we are Christ's what? Ambassadors. Watch what he says. God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And I just came to remind some of us today, if you will start with the end, if you'll know that God is renewing and redeeming all things, if you'll fix your gaze on that, listen to me, if we will do that, listen, I believe that's going to affect what we do every single day. And that we will begin to step into this calling that God has given us. All of you that know Jesus, that you would step into this calling of speaking on behalf of God. That you and I would be representatives. That, that you and I would be Christ ambassador. That we would be Christ respected official acting as a representative of a nation sent to a foreign land. And it's to reflect the official position of the sovereign body that gave us the authority. This is what I want you to know that you and I, listen, so many Christians, and here's the thing I want to challenge some of us today, so many Christians are trying to get out of earth and get into heaven tomorrow. Meanwhile, God is redeeming all things. God is renewing all things. And I, think, I love the songs that we used to sing growing up about going to heaven, and I'll fly away, and I love those old hymns that we would sing growing up as a kid. And I want to challenge some of us today. There is going to be a special day when we step in and we're in the presence of God. And again, I don't know everything about it, I don't know. I can't explain to you everything about Revelation perfectly. I, prob I probably butchered it today. So I, I hope the Holy Spirit is speaking through me to you. But I want you to know that like, I believe that God is renewing all things. And that He's redeeming all things. And that, that when we get into the presence of God, it is going to be so fulfilling. But I want to challenge some of us today. So many Christians are trying to just get out of this earth. Boy, I can't wait till Jesus comes back. I can't wait to get out of this place. When I believe, meanwhile, God is trying to bring heaven to earth through you today. He's trying to redeem this planet. He's trying to redeem your neighbor. He's trying to renew that relationship. He's trying to renew that, that, that lostness of our community. That He is trying to use you and I to go out there and be His ambassadors. That He wants to speak through us. God's plan was His Son, Jesus, and then He establishes His church, the people of God on earth, and then He gives us a mandate. Then He gives us a mission. Then He gives us a co-mission. He gives us a job, and He says this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Therefore, go. Somebody say, go. And make disciples of all nations. There's a twofold there. We're going to do whatever we can as a church to connect people to Jesus. Right? We're going to go. And then on the other side, we're going to do whatever we can to make sure they're living on purpose. We're going to disciple. We're going to go and we're going to make. Right, that's the goal is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. Understand, I don't know what's coming necessarily. I don't know how to explain it perfectly to you. But I can just tell you, I know that no matter what we go through and for eternity, if you know Jesus, Jesus is with you. He's going to be there. It's going to be incredible. And I just think so many of us, so many times, again, if we will understand the end, it'll help our now. If we'll start with the end of mind, your eschatology, the last things. If you'll understand it a little bit, it's going to help you live today. Your missiology, why you exist, why the church exists. So I don't know about you, but I think in order for us to be as people acting as ambassadors, we got to do some things differently than we've done before. 
Because what has happened so far ain't working. Come on, somebody, sometimes. Sometimes you've got to adapt. Sometimes you've got to improvise. And we will never adapt this right here. We will always refocus our life back to this. Because I, I, I'm, I'm just like you in the fact that so many times I've taken my focus off of the eternal and put it on the temporary. And that's what I'm going to challenge us. If we're going to be Christ's ambassadors, two things and I'm done. We've got to refocus my energies. Let's refocus. Again, let's get our eyes on eternity. Let's start looking at things. I, I'll just tell you, I spent a lot of time, energy, effort, money in my life focusing on things that won't amount to a hill of beans in eternity. All right? I think if we're all honest, we all can say that. And every single one of us have done that. And we've focused on things that won't amount to a hill of beans in eternity. And I'm just here to encourage some of us today. Listen, can we refocus our, can we refocus our energy? Can we refocus my time? My time is not all about me. My time is not all about my wants and my needs. I'm called to give up some of my time in order to serve Jesus with my life. All, I mean, we're going to Christ follower all the time, right? 24-7, 365. But I'm saying specifically, even in the church, with the gifts that God has given you, hey, listen, let's give up our time. Let's refocus a little bit. Our energy, man, where's my energy been going lately that's not building the kingdom of God? building my family to love Jesus like everything? Where's, where's that energy? And I'm, I'm challenging our church today. Let's refocus. Let's refocus our energies. I like what the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is Paul talking to Timothy, and I'm going I'm to land this plane very quickly. Command your church, is what he's telling. Command those who are rich in this present world. You mean there's another one coming? Yep, it's coming. Okay? Not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, right? I've focused my energy on all these things that don't even matter in eternity. Come on, let's refocus. Put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Watch what he says. Command them. Don't encourage them. Don't do a sermon series about it. Command them. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, to be willing to share. Why? In this way, they'll lay up treasure. They'll lay a legacy for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. See, there's a coming age. I'm trying to get you ready for it. I'm trying to get you prepared for it so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Let's refocus our energies. Let's refocus our time, our talent, our treasure to where we can do this next thing, reach people. So that we can reach people. I love what Jude chapter 1 verse 23 says. It says, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a church that just builds a, a big old yacht and just kind of sits back on the beach somewhere. I want to be running a rescue mission a half a step from hell. And I want to go after people that don't know Jesus. And we want to be a church that your family, that this can be a place where people can come and you can begin. Not just that, but here's my encouragement for you. I hope that would well up on the inside that this becomes your mandate. That this becomes your, not just our church's job, your job, your family, your friends, your school, your workplace, your team. That God would begin to use you to reach people. You know what he has to have to reach other people? Just somebody that will speak on his behalf. The Holy Spirit can do what only he can do. And he's asking you and I to be a part of snatching people from the, from the flames. Doing whatever we got to do to tell them about this plan that has been the beginning, from the beginning of time, has been the plan all along. And his name is Jesus. I love Luke 14, 23. Go out into the country 
urge anyone you find to come in so that my house may be full. Let's go to our jobs. Let's go to our ball games. Let's go to our school. Let's go to our family and tell everyone that you and I encounter that literally about the wonderful message in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I got one thing. Can you throw me my phone, baby? Sorry, camera. Got hands like them cowboys. Let's go. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. I snapped this. A friend of mine said this the other day. Ooh. And uh, his name's Brad Hampton. Great pastor. Incredible pastor. So-called church. And he snapped a picture of his friend talking. He says, I want my life to be so attractive that people who know me but don't know God will want to know God because they know me. I don't know about you, but let's be a church that listen, that they may not, that, that, that just because they know about Purpose Church, just because they know about you, they may not know God, but they want to know God because they know you and because that we're there. And I just want to challenge our church with that. Let's do whatever it takes to reach people. We got the end in mind. We know we win. Let's go after it together. And I just want to challenge you. If you want to bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room, maybe you're in here and you say, you know what? I can't do that because I don't know Jesus, because I don't know God. And I think that some of us in this room would say, you know what, that's my story too. Let me explain just the gospel to you again. Genesis chapter 3 takes place, and our, our, our sin, sin enters the world. And for generation after generation after generation, all the way to us, that there is this sin problem that we have. And every single one of us, we struggle with this thing called sin, that we would choose anything else over God every time. But Jesus, the redemptive plan from the beginning of time, right? It says before the, the axes of the world were even set, Jesus was the plan. He was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. Why, why do you have to do that? You know why? Because you and I couldn't pay for our own sin. There had to be a payment and exchange that took place. But Jesus said, hey, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to go and die for you. And so he, he tells us, hey, I, I, I took the punishment. I took the shame. I took the beating. I took the death. I died so that you wouldn't have to. And the Bible says if we'll put our faith and trust in him and confess him as Lord, like we will be saved. So maybe you're here. You've never done that. I want to lead you in just a prayer. It's a prayer of confession is all it is. Say something like this in your heart. Just mean it. I don't want you to be just, just saying words just to be saying them, but I want you to mean it in your heart. Say something like this. Dear Jesus, I want you to save me. I want you to forgive me. Help me live for you. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you gave your life for me. They put you in the grave, but you got out of the grave. And I put my trust in you today. Save me. Be the Lord of my life in Jesus' name. And maybe that's you and you're in this room, watching online, listening on the podcast, and you just prayed to receive Jesus. Here's what I want you to know. you got to tell somebody. Right? Tell somebody. Let somebody know that you just made this the best decision you'll ever make in your life. So I'm going to ask a quick question in here. Maybe for you, you just said yes to a relationship with Jesus. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you just raise your hand and would you drop it back down? Would you say, hey, that's me. I just said yes to a relationship with Jesus. I just asked him to come in my life and save me. And you can drop it right back down. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? It's the best decision you'll ever make. I just want to tell you really quick, 
you that raised your hand here in just a second. We're going to dismiss a service. And right at the end of the service, we've got incredible leaders that would love to know that you made that decision. We've got crew leaders, which are our small groups. We've got some directors that are going to be up here. We would love to know that decision that you just made. If you're watching online, you can let somebody know by texting PURPOSE to 270-229-6488. It lets us know that you made the decision. I would just encourage you to let somebody know. Because you're starting this journey with Jesus. It was all because of Jesus, all for Jesus. And here's the thing I want you to know is that there's going to be some times where it seems hard. And it is hard. And we want to be a church that's right there with you. Walking alongside of it with you. Here helping you answer any questions we might have. And that starts today. Right at the end of service we'll have some guys on both sides. Guys and gals on both sides of the, the auditorium here. And we would love to serve you in that way. Maybe you're in this room. Maybe the Lord's just speaking to your heart today. And maybe you need to refocus some of your energies. Maybe you need to refocus some of your time and your talent and your treasure. Maybe for some of you, you know Jesus, have had a relationship for a long time with Jesus, but maybe you've turned inward. Maybe you started thinking, thinking more about yourself than about others. Maybe you started thinking more about yourself other than what God is calling you to. And maybe today was just that notification, okay, downloaded in my spirit. Okay, I, I need to refocus my energies on things that may not like that th- th- this life doesn't necessarily have to offer and that was the one thing I was going to say at the very end there's more to this life than this life so maybe that's you and you just say hey, I need to refocus that today if that's you come on just raise your hand I just love to see you pray for you just need to refocus some things yeah I see you awesome awesome <coughs> well, let me pray for you really quick God I thank you so much for today and Lord, I thank you for my friends that are watching and listening online. I thank you for the people that are in this room, in this auditorium. And I just want to take a second just to pray over them. God, that this week, and whatever they may face, whatever they may walk through, whatever they may come up against, that God, you would just bless them, that you would keep them. That God, you'd turn your face towards them, that they would be looking for you, that their eyes would be clear, that their eyesight would be on you, that you would do something in their life in the midst of craziness, in the midst of seasons, that they may not understand God, in the middle of all of that, somehow you would give them peace. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We thank you. It's in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, how about this, y'all? I love you guys so much. I hope you have the best week of your life, and I'm going to see you right back here next Sunday morning at Purpose Church. Have a great week. We love you. Thank you so much again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps out so much. For more content and information, head over to ourpurpose.church. We love you guys and hope you have a great week on purpose.